What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Random Car Guys. Mike and here, host, back with another episode. Uh, got a fun recap podcast for you today, bringing us up to date. Welcome, uh, J Rod, to the podcast for the second time. Mate, thanks for coming to me. Uh, appreciate you taking a little bit of time. I know you're sat in the car right now while the kids are at uh, basketball practice. Life never stops. But uh, I mean, just to. Uh, bring everyone you know to current affairs obviously people have been watching you know the the dog the the discovery show you know street outlaws versus your know, j-rod's team oklahoma um yeah but yeah i mean other than that obviously which we'll get into what's what's this what's life like at the moment what have you been up to oh just crazy man you know since january of last year when we got the call to start filming for street outlaws it's just you know on top of everything else we got going, it's just been real crazy. You know, we got <clears throat> our first cruise in Oklahoma event coming up March 5th. That's going to be at Hallett. Um, you know, we started doing these about two years ago and they've just kind of gained, you know, traction every month. It just, you know, we'll have a few that'll be a little bit smaller than I kind of wanted, but a lot of the weather has to do with that. But man, you know, I don't do them in January and February now because the weather is so crummy, but uh, it kind of gives everybody cabin fever for March. So we've already got a close to a thousand people confirmed to go in march and we're still 30 days away so that's going to be a really big event yeah well when we spoke last when you're on the podcast i I couldn't believe you know i think you said to you know to yourself like this started by 15 guys going down to down to the you know racing down to mount scott i think it was when you first went right and uh and a lot of people said well maybe we should slow it down because i think all of us can keep up and now you got a thousand cars rolling out minimum yeah, that was wild. We were that was more of a cannonball run. I learned how to like, you know, not, that's not everybody's thing. And obviously, right. cruises aren't about racing. It's about having a good time and seeing places off the beaten path. So yeah, we slowed them down a little bit. Yeah, well, it's amazing how it's evolved and the impact that you've had. You know, you just we look at Hennessy, right? The first one out there, and you've gone back. You know, for the second time, like that town loves having us out. Yeah, we had fifty three hundred people there, roughly ingest. You know, injected in that community in April of last year. You know, we'll, we'll do that. Now that, you know, we're going into our third year doing these, um, you know, we've got some recurring towns that will always be a part of this because they are so, you know, welcoming. Like last year we did Perry for the first time and we did it on a Saturday night and we kind of like brought back the old nostalgia, like cruise around Main Street kind of deal. And then I brought my buddy Hunter out who did a laser show and it just turned out to be a really awesome night for the community. They were able to come out at the Noble County Courthouse, you know, bring some lawn chairs, watch a laser show, watch a burnout contest, and see some really cool cars cruise around Perry. So it was neat. Yeah, definitely. And we did that podcast of April of 2021. So it was the original first one that we did um, for, yep. the, for the This Is Oklahoma side of things. But yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing to see, you know, the, the community impact, but it's amazing to see that, you know, you don't have to have a hot rod or a cool car, you know, just bring your VW Jetta out. It doesn't matter. Just come out. We're side by side. We got guys driving side by side. To these yeah. Things, you know, it really doesn't matter. It's about community, making memories and uh, exploring places in Oklahoma, you know? Yeah, definitely. And, and that's the thing too, is people, you know, don't realize the towns we're going to, they'd probably never been there before. And then you, you couple that in with, they've never seen the cars that are on these, you know, they don't expect to see, you know, a Lamborghini event at all rolling through this small town. Right. Yeah. Those towns would never get, I say never, those towns would not very likely get the opportunity to host some of these cars, you know, that are worth, you know, some half million up to a million dollars. And they're out here driving around towns and less than a couple thousand people. You know, it's just, those people really appreciate that. And, you know, they take pictures 
and I know the owners eat it up because they get to show off their pride and joy. So it, it's just a, it's a double-sided sword that's good for both, you know, both parties. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm super excited. I'm hoping to make the uh, the Hallett event March 5th, is it, I think? It is, yeah, March 5th. We're going to start at the uh, Route 66 Bowling Alley in Chandler, which that's another amazing facility if people have never uh, got a chance to go out there. It's a bowling alley that this guy built, and uh, he was an avid kind of Americana collector of gas station, petroleum signs, pumps, stuff like that. I would I would be willing to wager that it's probably the largest private collection of automobile memorabilia from the gas station, gas pumps kind of stuff in North America. And he built a bowling alley around it. So there's like old neon signs. There's, a, there's probably 50 old gas pumps in there. All these old porcelain signs, not just from Oklahoma. He's actually got the door in there from the movie Twister. There's a scene in it where like a a truck got blown over. Anyway, he got the door off of that uh, tow truck at, at, at Aunt Meg's, you know, in Waukeda, and it's hanging up in there. It's just got so much cool Oklahoma history, and, <clears throat> excuse me, it's got the longest bowling alley in the world. He's got a lane upstairs that a lot of people don't realize that he built it one foot longer than the one in Vegas that was prior the longest. So it's stashed out here in Chandler, Oklahoma. You know, they got a full restaurant. I mean, it's a super, super, super neat place if you get a chance to go check it out. Yeah. And that, that's the beauty of this, right? Every single time we go on a cruise, we're going to somewhere that we've most likely never been to before. Yep. You know, and a new one we're going to do this year, we're going to go to the, the Hayek uh, Automobile Museum in Ames, Oklahoma. I spent some time out there last weekend, got to know those guys really, really well. And that guy has over 80 of arguably the most iconic Ford race cars ever collected in a private collection. Mm. Uh, one of one Ford GT90, you know, he's got some Dale Earnhardt cars, Bill Elliott cars, Mickey Thompson, Parnelli Jones, uh, Jungle Jim's drag car, his wife's Jungle Pam. You know, she was kind of known for other features of a woman, you know, and throughout the 70s drag racing culture. But, you know, there's just, it's unbelievable what that guy's got hanging out. He's got what he likes to call his dollar cars. So he's got like 10 or 11 cars that Ford Motor actually sold him for $1 because they don't have a VIN number on them and they can never be legally driven titled. So it's uh, it's pretty neat that they're able. He has that relationship with Ford to have those kind of cars. So it's, yeah. we're going to bring masses out there and show them what's hiding in Ames, Oklahoma, which has a population of 197. <laughs> he probably has more cars than or his own more cars than the population of his town. Oh yeah, that's kind of his little joke. He says that he that Ames, Oklahoma, is the drag racing capital of the world per capita. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because everyone in town could have one of his cars in their driveway and it would be a pretty epic oh. town. Oh, absolutely. And what he did was in the 2000s, well, I think their school shut down in 92. And by the year 2000, his collection had grown beyond his means. So he actually acquired the old school building mm. and filled the whole damn thing up with cars. I mean, it's so cool. So awesome. Well, obviously two years into the cruise in Oklahoma things, just about to start a third year. I mean, what have you learned after two years? Oh my goodness. So definitely learned a lot. I've learned, you know, that <laughs> you've got to make sure that gas stations in these small towns for one, have enough petroleum to go around. Cause you bring five, 600 cars into a town with one or two gas stations. They will literally sell the fuel out of every fuel station. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I've definitely learned that and get the local authorities involved. Because when you start trying to chauffeur this many cars around rural Oklahoma, it becomes a little bit of a logistical nightmare. So I always reach out to local authorities. They're phenomenal about helping out. Um, you know, that, and I just, I learned that a lot of people don't like to go back down the same roads. 
So like, you know, doing these cruises, oh, I've done this route. And I did a few, like basically an exact Twinkie the year before, but people are like, man, we've already been on this route. So I always try to change it up. I always try to get new places every month, even if the old route was really good. That way people can see new things and experience new uh, towns. Mm. Yeah. The route from, uh, was it, uh, was it Blanchard that we did? Blanchard, uh, not Blanchard. Where was the route? It was like a, it was through some part of the state that I, I mean, I'd never been to, and the roads are incredible. And it's like red canyons and like. Oh, yeah. That's out by like Anadarko and Apache. That's right. It was, I'm like, this is unbelievable. Like, so yeah, yeah. good. There's, Oklahoma's a cool place, man. I mean, Oklahoma, a lot of people think it's just, you know, oil field, natural gas, and some cornfields, and some deer and fishing. But, man, we've got so many cool sites out there. You know, inside of the cruise in Oklahoma thing, you know, spawned this thing that we started called King of Open Roads. So King of the Open Road was this idea that I'd had that I was like, man, let's do a grassroots motorsports style drag and drive event. One day we'll cruise out to Hinton, we'll drag race on the streets because we can get a permit, yada, yada, yada. I mean, it, it was crazy how many people we had. So I was like, man, we may be on to something. So then the next one I got with Thunder Valley and we did a one day event out there and it was very popular. Uh, it was bigger than the last one. And then I'm like, man, what, what if we did a two day event, like an actual race event? We rented the track. We did like the whole shebang. We did that and we sold out in three days. So we sold 200 racer spots in two days. And I mean, it blew my mind. And, you know, that was in, that was in the spring of last year. And then we did a one in the fall and it turned out to be just unbelievably cold. It snowed in November, like I think November 6th or something. Our event was on the 12th and 13th. And so here we go into this event and there's two inches of snow on the ground and it's 25 degrees outside when we started off cruise. Um, but these guys showed up in force. I had 17 States and two countries come, uh, it sold out once again in a few days. And these guys just are absolutely eating the King of the open road up. What makes King of the open road a little bit different than most dragon drives are most dragon drives are a full week, you know, like Rocky mountain race week, sick week, mm -hmm. hot rod drag week, all the big events are week long. And I realized that people like racing like that, but they also can't take a full week off work. They can't take a full week off of getting paid. And then to top that off, a week of hotel, lodging, food, expenses, race car breakage. I mean, it's a $10,000 weekend, really, realistically, when you think about it. And your average car guy may not be able to do one of those a year. He has to maybe save up for that and maybe do it every couple of years. Well, with King of the Open Road, you can literally go out and it's just like a normal drag race event where it's like a Saturday, Sunday, but you also have a two to 300 mile cruise in there. So it's not like your normal true street drag race stuff where these cars show up and they've got a 15 mile cruise they got to make and they come back. Like there's a lot of cars that can drive. I mean, you've got 16 volt race cars that can drive 15 miles. Mm -hmm. So when you make it 150, 200, 300 miles with checkpoints, it really will eliminate the race cars. And that's something we did different this year. I, I'm a history buff. <laughs> I was born and raised here in Oklahoma and I'm very proud of that. And there's so much cool history out there. So I negotiated, I say negotiated, I talked to the Chickasaw nation and their national capital was in Tishomingo. So, you know, obviously chief Tishomingo was an actual character named after him, etc. So we put a landmark stop at the Chickasaw national capital in Tishomingo. We talked with the town, the town shut down. If those are familiar with Tishomingo, Right downtown where like Blake Shelton's restaurant is and all those, they shut the whole main street down for us, allowed us to do legal burnouts, raise a little hell. It was an absolute blast. 
And what separated this event from all the other dragon drives, instead of taking a picture of a landmark, we gave a coin, a challenge token that said King of the Open Road. It was commemorative, gave the dates, and gave Thunder Valley on the back side of that. And you had to go down to the capital of the Tish, of the Chickasaw Nation. We had a checklist with your name on it. We would mark it off. We'd give you that coin. Well, that coin was your entry fee back into the race. If you'd misplaced that or you lost it, you're kind of SOL. You had to take that coin back to the staging lanes, and then we would tech your vehicle. You'd obviously get to keep it, but if you had that coin, I knew you made the drive. Because let's face it, when you're dealing with a bunch of drag racers, we always try to find a gray area. Some of those guys would do things that are a little bit in between the lines to make sure they're, you know, if their car couldn't make it, they may not go the full route. But when you put that challenge token in there, they have to make that route. That's the only place you're going to get one of those tokens. So, you know, November's event was really successful. And then we, I had an ace up my sleeve, basically. I brought my buddy Javier, who owns that racing channel, TRC, who is arguably the second largest, um, you know, car automotive YouTube page, Instagram, Facebook behind 1320 video. I think they have about 1.5 or 1.6 million subscribers now on YouTube, not including all the other platforms. And so they're my partner now. I mean, what better way to market an event like this than to have a YouTube channel with a million and a half subscribers. So, and their, their quality of edits and their, and their video quality is, is second to none. And they're going to come on board with this. So in 2023, not only are we doing King of the Open Road in Oklahoma, we're doing one in Texas. And in Tucson, Arizona. So now we're going nationwide with this deal. And, you know, we're always looking for new tracks. And in 24, we're going to hopefully do 10 events. That's the goal I want to do. So I want to bring these regional Dragon Drives to the masses and do them nationwide where more people can get behind this this Dragon Drive. Because to me, it's so much more fun than going to a drag track and spinning a couple five or six second passes in your car and loading it up and going home. You're getting time to drive. You're getting, you know, and plus you've got to MacGyver some things sometimes. Things don't always go your way on these. You've got to fix alt dinner belts or a fuel leak or, or whatever the case may be. So not only does the driver, the racer get to experience the cruise, they get to work on their car, which let's all face it. We actually enjoy that. That's, that's part of this game we play and they get to go drag racing. So it's a really cool deal. And man, I would have never thought starting cruising Oklahoma would spawn into a nationwide race series either. Like it, it's just mind boggling to me. Yeah, I mean it's it's so awesome, and like I said, I, I know I did see the the Arizona um, announcement, but yeah, Arizona, Texas, and then plan for ten events next year. Like that's huge, and you know, there's clearly a market for it, especially over the weekends. You know, it's not like that full week that people are going to take off work, and it wouldn't surprise me if like you know you had guys from Oklahoma like yeah, we'll travel to Arizona for the weekend, like oh. we'll make a vacation out of it. Why not? You know. Yep. You know the thing that excites me so much about Arizona is. I don't know a lot about that state. Mm. I played some college golf tournaments out there, but other than that, I've never been to Arizona. So I'm going to get to learn with all these guys cruising about all the new destinations and where the track is in Tucson. It's 59 miles from one of the most historic Western towns ever tombstone, Arizona. Mm. So you better be damn sure we're driving through tombstone. So I can't wait to explore tombstone and Southeastern parts of Arizona and the mountains. And I just, I'm so looking forward to that event. Yeah, it's gonna be sick. Uh, you mentioned TRC. Obviously, last you know, we're recording, and this will go out next week. So, weekend previous to this, you were TRC was in town, and you guys had some fun with a mutual friend of ours who's been on the podcast, Felipe, and his extremely loud Lamborghini. Oh yeah, so it's kind of funny how that happened. So, um, I'm pretty good friends with most of the street outlaw guys. I've known them for 15, 20 years. Um, 
And so I like to use that relationship to show the normal viewer on YouTube some things about those guys that, you know, they may not see. So I get TRC, which has all the fancy gears and microphones. They flew out and we did a video with uh, Murder Nova. And so, you know, we just got through wrapping up filming of the new Street Outlaws 405 show, uh, which we had a pretty large hand in this season. And so him and I, we talked about that, all his new builds, his plans for no prep kings and going to Australia. But I kind of threw him a wild card he didn't know. So we were going to take out the fire donk and cruise around in it. Well, I'd reach out to my buddy, Andy Nelson, who had the Veyron local. And Andy was going to come out, and he was just going to randomly, in quotation marks, randomly run, roll up on us in the donk. And I knew Sean wasn't going to be able to not race that car. I was like, how epic would a donk, you know, on 26s, roll racing a Veyron? Arguably the most iconic, like, yeah. hyper car. And unfortunately, Andy couldn't make it. He had some prior obligations pop up. So I got a hold of Felipe, who also has some pretty awesome cars. So I reached out to Felipe, and he was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. You mind if I bring a friend? I was like, oh, no, absolutely. Come on. So literally, I mean, Felipe was such a sport. He was there in like an hour. Yeah. So he shows up. Sean really still doesn't, to this point, know what's going on. Here's this, you know, straight pipe V12 pull up, just revving up. And Sean's like, man, you've got me into some shit over the years. And I don't know what, but what, what's this going to be? So, you know, we go out, and we get on the turnpike, and we roll race. And you guys can check this video out on the 187 Customs YouTube channel, which is Sean's, or the TRC. It will be dropping probably within the next couple of days. Um, but we roll race a donk on 26s versus a B12 supercar. And let's just say the supercar didn't fare too well. The donk was, it's hard to explain how fast that car is. It was, it's so crazy. And this is how dumb we really are. You know, as street racers, we don't want people to go out there and, and do what we do or or try to emulate what we do, because it's dumb. It's very dangerous. But what we did this weekend was really dangerous. We had no seatbelts on, in a donk, and we literally had a ratchet strap holding the roof of this roof down in the donk, strapped to the floor. That was the only belt in the car was holding the sunroof, or the, the top down. And here we are mobbing down, you know, a back road at 160 miles an hour racing a Lambo. Like, the internet's going to break when that releases. <laughs> I cannot wait for people to see that. Um, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be really cool. Yeah. And that's like, you know, I, I did a podcast, um, this the last week it was the guy in California. He, you know, talked about his, um, he bought one of the movie cars from Ford versus Ferrari, one of the Cobras. And, you know, he's like, what's in Oklahoma? And I was like, let right. me send you some videos and some pictures. Cause you uh -oh. are about to like lose your shit. You have no idea where I'm about to send you. <laughs> People just think Oklahoma is, like I said earlier, there's a bunch of cows and oilfield stuff. Yeah. But man, I would say per capita, because obviously our state doesn't have a very high population, we probably got the coolest fucking cars in the country. Mm -hmm. Like, there's so neat stuff stashed out in nowhere, Oklahoma, that you would drive by and you're like, oh, there's an old barn. You open it up, and there's 35 cars in it. You're like, holy hell. Like that guy I was just talking about, Brett Hyatt. We were talking about Ford versus Ferrari. He's got a, that one of one Ford GT90 in there. And when he was telling the story to me last weekend, when the Ford versus Ferrari movie happened, he got a call from Jay Leno. Jay wanted him to bring the car to California. They were going to do a spot on Jay Leno's garage and let Matt Damon drive that car to help push the new movie. Well, we all know what happened in 2020, COVID. So it never actually got to happen. So literally, this guy's got a car sitting in Ames, Oklahoma, that's a one of one worth, God knows how many millions of dollars, that is his pride and joy. And he bought the car for a dollar, like, a dollar. Ford released the car to him for a dollar. 
his only agreement to Ford really was that he'll take it to shows. If they need it, he'll take it around. He'll show the car off and he can't legally drive it on a public road. So yeah, you just, you never know what's hanging out there for sure. Well, um, people saw that game, that car on a video game, right? That's how I knew what that car was. Was it Grand Theft? Not Grand Theft Auto. It was. No, Need for Speed. Yeah. No one else knows what that car is. And I've seen Alex Penfold take photos of it, which is like, you know, if you have Alex Penfold take photos of your car, you've kind of, you've achieved. Yeah, you've made it. (laughs) Right. It was kind of a funny story. Like, we wanted to get it out. I wanted to hear this thing. Because, you know, you think Ford GT, you think a supercharged V8 or, you know, a big cubic inch V8. No. This thing has got a V12 quad turbo in it. So I'd never heard of V12 quad turbo. So I was asking him, hey, well, what do we got to do to hear this thing? You know, you know, he's an older guy, and in his collection is his life, his life work. And it was kind of behind a few cars. He's like, well, I can't start it in here because if it catches on fire, the whole place will burn down. Right. <laughs> I never thought about that. You know, I have a few cars in my collection, but I don't have 80 or whatever the hell he has and they're all like shoehorned in the school so if if one thing caught on fire like if he took it someone in there and started a car against the back roll and a carburetor backfired and caught the car on fire he would lose everything yeah like totally get that but you know that guy he loves showing his stuff off and i would too and he's just such a genuine guy to talk to like he's got wrangler jeans and a pearl snap shirt on he's got some old worn out cowboy boots like You'd see this guy sitting at Walmart or maybe at like the Western Sizzling on Friday night. You never think he's got all this stuff. Mm. And he's just so humble about it. And that's what I loved about him. Like, he's just a really good dude. Yeah, I got that kind of feeling from just, just looking at the photos you'd send. He's just a dude in jeans and just hanging out, which is awesome. Yep. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, your garage. Your garage has taken a little bit of a renovation recently. You got some sick lighting up there and a little, little yeah. difference since the last time I saw you. Yeah, so we uh, we did a big re- garage remodel um, about a year ago or so. Um, some people have seen the videos in 1320 video, but they're starting this new series called like uh, 1320 Garage. So they picked a few influencers across the country to feature their car collections. And I've known Kyle since like 2008 or nine. Like I've known him a long time. So they, I was one of the first people they reached out to before they made it public. And they're like, hey, we want to do your garage. I know you got some cars. What's the status? I go, well, right now my shop is a mess and half the shit don't run. So over the last year, we've completely remodeled it to, uh, to get ready for this deal, to make it more appearing, appealing and realistically and make it more usable for me and my family. So, you know, I'm a nineties car guy. I've got a lot of nineties cars. So we're trying to get them all put in there and get them displayed properly. Uh, then I thought, what the hell? Let's buy some arcades from the, from my childhood. I guess I'm getting to that age where I'm trying to relive when I was a kid. So I bought like a cruising, you know, the world game. I bought like Need for Speed Underground, a Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, and you'll get a kick out of this one. I bought a 2006 EA Sports PGA Tour golf game. Yeah, it's set up like like set up like Golden Tee, but you can play as like John Daly and Retief Goosen and BJ Singh and all these real golfers, and it's so fun because me and my buddies we do this thing where we call game night. So we have this massive whiteboard out in the shop, and we get all the guys and girls over, all my buddies. We'll have a couple cold beers, whatever the case may be, and we play adult-themed Pictionary out there. <laughs> so we have to draw some pretty obscene things on the board. It's just a lot of fun, and then that always turns into playing the arcades and having a scramble on the golf game mm-hmm. after you've had over six beers. And it's just, it's just such good, innocent fun. It's so fun. 
Yeah, that's awesome. It looks great. And, you know, uh, people have seen the photos. I'll post a few to our Instagram. Like, it looks great. And obviously, your, you know, your love for 90s imports is, you know, heavily featured, which is brilliant. Yep. Um, let's, let's talk about the Street Outlaws then, because obviously that's, you know, that's come out, it's aired. Um, you know, obviously you filmed, so, filmed a long time ago, but um, tell me about yeah, it. How'd it go? It wasn't, yeah, that long ago. We filmed it. It's kind of crazy, but let me ask you a question first. When will this, when will people hear what we're talking about now? Because um, there's some I can share, but I don't want to relieve some of the uh, secrets of the show and get a nasty letter from Discovery Channel. Monday. <laughs> so he's going okay. out. He's going out next week. I'm not talking about anything that hasn't aired yet. Okay. So okay. So we uh, we filmed. I got the call from Sean, um, aka Murder Nova, in January of last year, and he goes, "Look, we we've all came to conclusion. We've all talked amongst us with the four or five guys." We want you to be a captain. You're going to be one of six or seven guys across the country. Um, we want you to put a team together, and we're going to do a new format of the original 405 show. We're going to do small tires, 28105 or smaller. It's got to be a real deal car. It, you know, OEM body. It's got to have glass windows. It's got to have, you know, street car features, not a gutted shit box. Um, the thing is that everybody has a different definition of what a street car is. You know, on the West Coast, a 29105 is a small tire you know in oklahoma it's a 28105 you know out there if the car drives on the street it's a street car you know out here you know it's just you ask everybody everybody's got a different definition mm -hmm. so they give us some some pretty loose rules like all-wheel drive cars couldn't have slicks they can only have like the mickey thompson ss drag radial no funny car cages because obviously a funny car cage is a well it, they, someone could have taken like an x275 style car and made it meet the rules to make it street because obviously we're racers. We're going to cheat. We're going to make, we're going to make the rules work around our car. So we're, we're competitive and we win. I mean, that's, that's what drag racers do, but the rules were set and forth where, you know, they just wanted real street cars. They didn't want 37 Fox body Mustangs with a small tire and a weight bar in the back with a turbo LS and hood exit exhaust and a one piece front end. You know, you can get that car at any grudge race across the United States on any Saturday night. Mm -hmm. So with that said, they knew what I was bringing. I wasn't going to bring a bunch of Mustangs and Camaros. I was going to bring some hard-hitting import friends of mine that I'd raced with at World Cup Finals, Texas 2K, wherever, across the country. So I immediately got to work because I knew that being involved with this show before, um, <laughs> you don't have like, okay, we're going to film on July 3rd. It's like, June 15th. Hey, we're going to, we're going to film July 3rd. You've got like two weeks. Mm. So I let all these guys know way before time, like, this is what we're going to do. I want you to be a part of my team. We're going to be racing on the street. We're going to be taking on the 405 in a team format, not heads up, not cash days, but we're racing them as a team. And these are the rules. So, you know, I picked, picked some imports. I picked some domestics, but obviously over the time of six or seven months before we actually filmed, I had a lot of guys pick. Some guys couldn't make it. Some guys' guards broke. Some guys didn't want to go on TV because their jobs wouldn't allow. Like, there's, oh my gosh. I had so really? many roster. Oh, it was a, like this one guy I picked. Uh, I won't say his name, but he has this really fast Viper. I mean, like, really fast. Like, 4,000 horsepower, crazy horsepower Viper. But he worked for a big hedge fund. Mm. And, and he went to his boss and he goes, hey, I'm going to go race my car on this TV show called Street Outlaws. He goes, no, you're not. <laughs> so he couldn't make it. And then I had, you know, I had some rotary guys from like the East coast that wanted to come out. But after they thought about it, they were scared that their car would get ran into from someone in the other lane. Like there's just so many variables, but 
the team I ended up with was just absolute freaking rock stars. And I couldn't ask for a better team after it all settled. We gelled together. We helped each other. And, you know, if you guys are listening to this and you've seen the episode, I think everybody that's watched the new show will say that my team probably gelled the best out of any of them that has aired yet. You know, we just came together. We helped each other. You know, I brought Hondas. I brought Integras. Subarus, McLarens, my Supra, an old school Datsun 240Z, a CTSV. I bought a Ford Durango. Like nobody knows what the hell that is. I mean, it's an El Camino, basically that Ford built. It was a Fox body, super weird, weird deal. I brought a, a guy named Stacy Barnett out of Arizona who had a Fox body. So just such an eccentric group of cars. And you know, you got to think we have two, we have three four-cylinder cars and a six-cylinder Supra and some supercars. Those guys thought they were going to run through us. I mean, let's face it. Those guys do this for a living. They're really good at it. We're a bunch of track racers and we go out and we take them to the wire. Like we, we got down a few races and we were down at 1.7 to three. I mean, one more race and they would have won. We come back tied up seven to seven. Um, you know, my buddy Justin with that Ford Durango ended up racing Dave the final race. And he had an injector fail. That's racing, not making excuses. They beat us. But we took a group of mostly import and track racers, and we took the street outlaw guys eight to seven. Like, it was such an emotional roller coaster of the night. I ended up racing Murder Nova, a good friend of mine. I put it on it, you know. I like, there ain't no getting around it. Like, his trans brake was having a little bit of a delay. I cut an unbelievable light. And obviously, my car makes a lot of power. And if my car didn't knock the tire off in the first couple hundred feet, he wasn't catching me. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I drove out of his life on the big end. And it was just so cool to see a McLaren, for instance, racing Dominator's 30-something Dodge truck. Like I said in the episode, D- Dominator's truck's got four wires in it, and McLaren's a spaceship. Like, it's just, it was crazy to see it all go down. But I won't ruin the rest of the season, because for one, I don't want to get that letter, but for yeah. two, I don't want to ruin the show for anybody. But if you like my team and you like the import, keep watching. Mm-hmm. We're not done. And we're going to go to a season finale, a cash days. They don't call it cash days anymore. They call it race wars. Um, so not race wars. That's fast and They call it race. I don't know. It's got some other generic name. I can't remember the name of it. But um, yeah, we, we have two cars on my team that race in that. And all I'm going to say is just keep watching. Because yeah. we ain't done. Yeah. So it's going to be a really cool way to end the season. I can't wait for the Street Outlaws fan base to see the season finale and see how they like it and see how um, it shakes out because it was awesome. I mean, there was turbo all-wheel drive F-150s. There was all-wheel drive Jeeps. There was a Honda Civic. There was a 55 Chevy and S10s and Corvettes and, I mean, Hellcats. and I mean, real deal street cars that your average enthusiasts can relate to the show had got so disconnected in my opinion from your average car guy or viewer that they can't relate to a fireball Camaro with a 480 at one X pro line motor and a 120, you know, F three pro charger and all this crazy stuff. That's a million dollar outfit. Easily. They can't relate to it, but a CTSB or an old muscle car that, you know, they can build in their garage and have aspirations to go race those guys and get their own team together, like, this show is going to inspire a whole nother, mm-hmm. you know, version or a whole nother group of racers now because they feel like they can compete now because it's the beginning of Street Outlaws or Street Cars. And they could. 
And then sponsors got involved, things got bigger, things got faster, and the cars just got out of touch. Mm. But that's why you have No Prep Kings. No Prep Kings is a perfect spot for those guys to display those amazing cars that are crazy fast, and the fans can go out there and get a first chance look at them, watch them from the stands, meet their favorite drivers, get a picture, buy a t-shirt, whatever they want to do. Well, the original 405 show realized they were getting a little bit disconnected. Mm-hmm. The top 10 thing, they didn't want to see the same seven guys or eight guys go back and forth, one, two, three, four, five. Well, with this new show, it's a group of racers versus the 405. It's a, new, it's a whole new format. And, you know, talking with some of the guys, the ratings have actually been really, really good. That's awesome. So we haven't got official word yet. That the season has been picked up for a season two. Um, you know, I don't know how that TV stuff works, but all I know is I had an absolute blast filming this season. And it's, I just, I can't wait for the world to see how it ends. That's awesome. Uh, the kids getting ready. Are they about to, are they about to head out? Are we good? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, no, we're good. Okay. No, they're still in there. I, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is you uh, you brought your Viper back into the world. Tell me about it. Uh, God, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a whole podcast in itself. <laughs> uh, condensed. So yeah, a real condensed story here. Um, there's a shop in Texas who was kind of my first sponsor. Um, rewind 2010-11. I just bought this Viper, twin turbo Viper from Andy Nelson. Andy had, you know, went to Texas 2K in that car and did work. And it was a fat first, like, four-digit horsepower car I'd ever rode in. And I literally, like, scraped pennies and sold everything I had to be able to get that car. And uh, I get it. And I upgraded a little bit. I put bigger turbos on it. And that was back in the Texas Invitational days. For those who don't know what the Texas Invitational was, it was a roll race event held in Cattle Mills, Texas, that had, like, underground racing and T1 race development and all the fastest of the fastest high-end cars. Well, I took a Viper, a six-speed Viper, and took it all the way to the finals in 2012. And wasn't supposed to be there for sure, but I guess I got lucky, got some brakes, whatever the case may be. And I decided to sell the car in 2012 when it was on top of the world. So I sold it, and the guy who purchased it from me um, wanted to do a bunch of upgrades to the car, like get it faster. The car was already at this shop, and the guy buys the car, never gets to drive it, and uh, long story short, I ended up buying the car back. So I buy it back, and that was in like 2015. And, you know, at the time, the, the business was struggling. The shop was. They had moved locations. The owner had did some crazy stuff, but then the guy that was running it for him ended up having to buy it, and it was just a shit show. Um, fast forward seven, eight, nine years, the Supra now is my car, and um, I have a lot of great sponsors and, you know, supporters of that car, so I reached out to Manly Performance, and the guy that manly made me some custom rods and pistons and all that stuff for this car. And I took the motor to Mike Henson and I got it built myself. And so Mike Henson put the motor together for me. I just need to go pick it up. He's almost done with it. So after 10 years of that car sitting in Texas last week or two weeks ago, I went down there and picked it up. And uh, we're going to do it all here uh, in Oklahoma. We're going to do it on my channel at J-Rod's Garage on YouTube. And uh, we're going to do everything in-house now. Um, I've got enough people behind me now that I don't need that shop. And so we're going to build us a badass 1500 horsepower twin turbo Viper in Luther, Oklahoma. Awesome. You met the, yep. the other thing, obviously you mentioned your own YouTube channel and people don't realize that, I mean, you work an actual job too, right? Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, people yeah. don't realize that. Yeah. yeah. I work more than a full-time job. I'm in the car business. Anybody that's in the car business know that's, 
that schedule is brutal. I mean, I don't get off work most nights till nine o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. So I'm there a lot. But the cool thing with that is the flip side of that coin is we do have some downtime sometimes. So I get to catch up on comments. I get to, you know, edit videos. I get to put descriptions to videos. I get to, you know, do a lot of social media stuff that I couldn't probably do at a lot of other jobs. Mm -hmm. Um, So it, it all works out in the shake, but you know, my, my goal going forward is if we can get this King of the Open Road going in all these other states is to do that full time and walk away from the dealership and get to do what I love full time and provide awesome events for awesome racers nationwide. Yeah. Yeah. I don't doubt you're going to get there. It's just a matter of time, um, you know, especially with this taking this thing on the road and making it, you know, a, a, a 10 event plus, you know, type thing around the country. Um Mate, I you know I love your work ethic. I love your passion for the state. You know, it, it comes through in every cruise in Oklahoma. You know, I know people don't realize how much work it, it takes. You know, to get those things happen and to pick the routes and you know just the intricate oh, yeah. details, like the history side of things, right? Like you really do love this place, and and I get to I I've seen it because I get to chat with you. You know, and and some people don't get that opportunity to chat with you, especially at these events, because it's there's people everywhere. It's so busy, but you know. You know, you know, when I remember, I think I bumped into you after we did the podcast at, at one of the Cruising Oklahoma events. And, you know, I, I want to tell people, like, come up to you, right? Come say hello. You know, like, you're not, you're not, you're not this godlike figure that's just going to tell everybody, no, I can't talk to you. Like, you know, no. I know you look busy, but come say hello. <laughs> I love to hear feedback from everybody because everybody is their own person. Yeah. They all have their own individual thoughts of what could have been better with the cruise, or I didn't like this road, or, ooh, I know this, like, there's been three or four cruises that I've got, you know, referrals from people um, that have been amazing cruises, places that, you know, I born and raised here and I didn't even know about it, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's one thing cruising Oklahoma for me is, is I grew up in one of these towns of a couple hundred people. I grew up in Velma, Elma, Oklahoma. And there's just so much stuff out there that people that live in Oklahoma City and Tulsa never see. Mm-hmm. They get on I-35, they get on I-44, they get on I-40, they get on Broadway Extension, they get on 240, but they never see like, Highway 51 and Highway 177 and Highway 7 and all these great Oklahoma secondary highways that have some really cool sceneries and that you can get off the beaten path and explore Oklahoma, basically. Yeah. Well, mate, I appreciate you. For everyone listening, uh, go to J-Rod's Garage on YouTube and then at J-Rod underscore Oklahoma City or OKC on Instagram. I'll put the links to those in the description. And uh, yeah, sign up for, if you can make it March 5th, come on out. It doesn't cost anything other than gas money. You know, come on out. It's free. And uh, buy a t-shirt if you feel inclined. Yeah, absolutely. And our Facebook page is uh, Cruising Oklahoma. Uh, we got about twenty thousand members now, which just blows my mind too. Um, you can fi- you can keep up with all the events every month on that Facebook page. I'll post them every month. We run events from March to December, and we take January and February off because the weather. But yeah, we, we're, we're going to explore Oklahoma. I mean, last year we clocked about seven thousand miles in the state. So. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Thanks, yeah. mate. Really appreciate you taking some time out. Go, uh, go, uh, go see the kids and hopefully they're uh, dominating yep. basketball practice, but yeah, yep. I'll, uh, I'll see you much fish. Thank you so much. Thanks, mate. See ya.